Breaking Knowledge was created using the Anchor app. Anchor is a free app designed to give people like me a free and easy way to create a podcast as well as to distribute it to all platforms. The app makes recording, editing, and getting your podcast out there easy as well as free. It's available on the Apple App Store and on Android apps. So welcome again to Breaking Knowledge and we're going into part two of our interview with Robert and today's episode gets more into his more formative years in middle school and high school and, and what what Robert's experienced through those years is re- really I, I know I had a hard time with it just because I know so much about it we were yeah. you know we, we, we did play a part in Robert's life, and he was definitely part of our lives, thankfully. So this one was a little bit more difficult to stay out of, so to speak, and let him talk yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, because we knew so many stories and whatnot. Um, th- this episode really gets more into, you know, what adolescents are like. You know, we, we know there's the immaturity we know there's you know what parents teach their kids gets more ingrained into who they are and how they develop as an adult and we really start to see this and and it also goes to a big big issue in Texas with sports because sports was central to Robert's life right that 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 was his ticket to his future yes without giving away too much of other episodes so I want to say, you know, thank you for listening to part two. Um, we're going to continue with three and four. Uh, this one, I think, gives some insight into what living in, you know, like Frisco, Texas, one of the premier spots in the nation now in the news left and right with fastest growing city and whatnot. But yeah, it, if it's you not, want to live in that bubble, sure. Yeah, and it is a bubble. It, it is extremely a bubble. We, we do get into that. Um, a little bit, but it's an insight from from Robert's perspective of you know being a black kid in in a largely white, largely rich area. Yes. And to me, this one re- really struck home because you know that's that's where we were living. You right. Know, we've moved <clears throat> from there since, but we were living there, and there was so much that we didn't see because it is very white very rich not that we are rich at all but you know we were, we were fortunate enough to live in that area and they do have some some decent schools and I think I think his experience um, through the different uh, schools from elementary middle and to high school um, going from speaking about being in the gifted and talented of elementary uh, from dominantly black neighborhoods to going to magnet schools that were um, he was the only black child then going to um, elementary school in Texas and being the only black boy for the most part with a handful of other black students to slowly well, growing into when he got to high school and the intensity of the diversity at the high school. Yes, yeah, and that did certainly change and, and it wasn't just, you know, in elementary school he was probably a handful of any other non-white race, really. You know, it wasn't just there were oh, such few absolutely. black kids, but there, there were very few of any other race. Mm-hmm. And you know what it does to a child development, having that impact on you, and the things that you know he went through are just ugh. well. And we we see it in the conversations that we're having with him today, right? And what a toll on him it has taken. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's not it. it it's something that he still has to address each and every day just because of who he is and that is and the color that's of his why, skin right I mean, and that's why we have the conversations that we do 
is that, as we said, you know, this if people have this mindset that if it doesn't directly affect them, then it's no big deal. Right. But sitting here having these conversations, you see that this is real. And just for a moment, put yourself in that situation if you can. Because, and even trying to do that, it will not um, do the situation, the feelings, the emotions of uh, any justice whatsoever because it's not to that magnitude because we're not them. And all we can do is try our best to change things. No, absolutely. Yep. So we're going to keep this intro short and sweet this time and let you get listening to part two with Robert and his more adolescent years of what he went through. Okay, so your mom got a teaching job finally after being displaced Mm -hmm. and you're you're able to see her at least Mm -hmm. and that was your opportunity to talk to her. I'm sure life was hectic trying to build some semblance of normalcy um, and you're able to see her on a daily basis but what was that like? I mean, you're, you've now been thrust into again being probably one of the only black kids in a white classroom. Mm-hmm. Well, in the classroom Maybe, but because I know where you went to elementary school, (laughs) I can probably sit here and count the five people that were people of color. Yeah, yeah. Literally. Yeah. And and I'm being generous with Mm -hmm. five Mm -hmm. because that's when I was really involved with uh, PTA. Mm -hmm. That's why I was doing the calculations of years earlier. Yeah. And... uh, so here you are, dropped down in yeah. white suburbia, uh, North Dallas suburb, mm. with a bunch of Louis Vuitton, toting, <laughs> juicy uh, wearing, juicy yeah. wearing backpacks, backpack, coffee, uh, Starbucks coffee, toting yeah. students and mothers. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. What was what, what was that? Like? <laughs> what, what was going through your head? Uh. Well. See, that's what's tough because at the time, man, I was in the I was in the fifth grade. Katrina had just happened. Oh, I don't have anything anymore. Um, uh, so like, I was I was pretty angry, you know. Um, I played baseball for a very long time. Um, it's just, and I had no sports. Like I had nothing to just really just get my anger out. So, like, I was just, you know, that kid. I. People make fun of me because I talked funny because I had the New Orleans accent. Oh, yeah. I didn't talk like I was from Texas. Like, I had the, you know, the, the slang. Oh, Yeah, you know, I'm from New Orleans, so that's that's how I talk, you know? And I don't even have the accent anymore because... No, you still do. It's still over there. Well, I... Yeah. Because of my family being from New Orleans yeah. and talking to them not. I, I yeah. can pick up a little bit, but you've lost most of it, yeah. Yeah, my... Uh, my New Orleans family would tell you I talk like I'm from Texas. So, oh, yeah. I'm sure. yeah. <laughs> so, I'm sure. but when I moved to Texas, um, a lot of kids made fun of me because of how I talked. Um, uh, I had no money. Kind of wore the, I wouldn't say I wore the same clothes, but you knew I was one of those kids who was getting the donation clothes because I was a. I came in during Katrina, you know, yeah. and on the news at the time. Katrina people were bad because they were all from New Orleans and we were refugees. They were called yep. refugees. refugees. Yep. And we were yep. Americans. Refugees yep. and criminals. We were, we were yep. refugees. Sounds, sounds like familiar rhetoric that we have today. Yeah. Coming from... It was just wild. It was wild. Oh, it was such a... And you're not you're not dumb when you're a fifth grader. Like, no. on, I was in these GT schools. Like, I'm not stupid. You know what's going on. But... You have nobody to talk to. You know, you don't talk about these things coming from New Orleans. You know what I'm saying? And then when you move to this place, you know your parents can't help you right now because they dealing with their own stuff. Your siblings, you got to help them out. They dealing with their own stuff, being in the grades, and they're, they're, they're similar situations. You know, my cousin, fortunately, thank God, was here with me my first two months that I had. I was at the school. So he also helped me be able to make a slight transition 
to feel somewhat comfortable around some of the people that I was around because everyone likes my cousin. You know, my cousin, everyone, like, my cousin talked to people. I wasn't one that talked to you. Like, no. I, I'm, I'm still, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't like to talk. You know, I'm just, I'm laid back. I'm chilling. My cousin, everybody liked him. But my, I was always with my cousin. So everybody was, I wouldn't say cool with me, but they would talk to me. So Tolerate. Yeah, they would tolerate me. That's the better word. But then my cousin left. And so what's the point of talking to me? I'm the kid that talks funny now. I'm the only kid from New Orleans. Um, I'm one of three or four black kids. And the black kids that are there are already cool. They're the they're the token kids. So I'm I'm the outcast. I'm the one you get to make fun of. I'm the I'm I'm that kid. And so when you come from New Orleans, you fight. You talk to me crazy, I'm gonna beat you up. Like that's just how we you dealt with it. You know, we scrapped. I lost, I lost, I won, I won. So when you come to Texas and you come with that energy as you're, you get a label of this violent, um, angry black kid when in actuality I'm misunderstood. People don't know I'm being made fun of. And when I say they're making fun of me, it's a, oh, well, you just got to learn how to deal with it. You know, well, why do I have to, why can't they stop talking you, to me like that? Yeah, you don't you know? have the tools yeah. to to deal with it. You, you are dealing with it. We're dealing with it yeah. to the best of your ability. And how do you deal with something like that when you're so far outnumbered? So far, you know, so far. The, your your approach of just being the, the quiet kid was probably the the least impactful to you getting into physical fights. Yeah, you know, just kind of clamming up. But at the same time, that's extremely. I mean, it's extremely sad that you felt that you had to do that. Yeah, I mean, even knowing you. In your later years in high school, you you were still pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. You, I don't think ever ever really lost that. And who's not to say that that's because of you know you coming here and, and oh yeah dealing with that your first time, you know, in that situation of not knowing what to do really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, I absolutely that that is the reason I didn't have friends. You know, once my cousin left, like I had one friend. And he had his friends in one of the worst situations. I got in trouble because they, I was in, uh, they had, I had to meet up with this counselor like once in a blue moon. And so she gave me a squeegee ball and I was, uh, to like, when you get angry, squeeze the squeegee ball. Like that's going to help you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I don't have any money. I'm poor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hungry. I've got bigger life problems. This yeah. ball is yeah. not going to so, save me. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm in, um, I'm in, we go, me and this, me and this kid go into the bathroom, this, still fifth grade, um, he's a bigger, he's a bigger kid at the time, you know, all the bigger kids are the cool kids, you know, and so this, this, he's, he passed some comment, something about, uh, the way I was looking, like, my, my clothes at the time, so I just took the ball and I threw it at him, and I was like, yo, like, just, let's go, and like, I'm a bigger kid now, but back then, or a bigger guy now, but back then, like, I was small. You know, so, but I was like, I was like, I'm going to still get in that with you. Like, I don't care how big you are. And he, he saw how, how, like, I was just ready to throw down with because I was tired of just dealing with it and dealing with it and dealing with it. Um, he went and told on me. And so then they were trying to throw me out of the school for, um, fighting. Okay, so yeah. for using the squeegee ball mm-hmm. that said counselor gave you yeah. to deal with your stress yeah. and your frustration, which you did, mm-hmm. probably not in the way that she intended mm-hmm. for you to use it, but they escalated it to the point where it was a fight and trying to get you yeah. expelled. Yeah. And, and, Racism right there. Yeah, and that's, that's thank you. Like, it's, I was the, I was the black kid who... Mm-hmm. Who, who had was, moved in. And you weren't like the other kids. And I wasn't like all the other black kids. Uh, my family wasn't like all the other black kids. Because you can't forget, my uh, my siblings were at the school too. Mm-hmm. My little brother, he wasn't. But everyone else was. My older sister, she was in middle school. But she was in Houston. 
And if memory if memory serves <laughs> me correctly, if I'm going right on the um, on the timeline again, this was about the time that the state of Texas implemented the zero tolerancy policy. The is this what is this uh, is this attendance or is this the no mm-hmm. child no, left behind? No, 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 this was zero no. zero tolerance on this, bullying. Yeah. I think it was. Probably, oh, I think it was that was. That I was think actually, it was oh, right along that. Yeah. Time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back in the day, that's what it was titled. Yeah. I don't know what it is now yeah but that was targeted towards um people like me exactly the bullying though those who exactly those who who like and it's funny because like they didn't care that other people were initiating what was going on with Mm-mm. me no because you walked the walk yeah you talked the talk you already had the zero tolerance target on your back yeah yeah, and it was it was just a it was a it was a sad and unfortunate situation and the whole time I didn't know that they were trying to kick me out of the school. You know, I didn't know that until I got older and my dad me and my dad had a sit down conversation with my mom and we talked about that. And a lot of the people that I were okay with tolerating being around adult wise were a part of trying to throw me out of the school during that time period. <laughs> that doesn't surprise so me. It yeah, so like it really like it was like an eye opener, you mm-hmm. know, for what was just going on at the time. And so, um, so fifth grade happens. I get out of fifth grade, thank God, and I get to sixth grade, and then everything just kind of hits the fan, like, you know, uh, pecking you, order. You, you you literally went from bad to worse. Yeah. Because just, again, I know where you went to school. Yeah. It it just it it <clears throat> it was a uh, it was it was a time where you played sports. You know, you but you, ultimately you played football, and I was from New Orleans. Football was played, but like it wasn't the main sport. Like no, not like here you in know? Texas. Yeah, and like sports wasn't even that big of a deal in in New Orleans. You know what I'm saying? Like you was really just trying to make money, thug, survive type stuff in New Orleans. And and then out here it's like football, 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 football. Eat a lot of food, football. Well, I ain't eating a lot of food, and if I'm eating a lot of food, it's bad food. You know, like <laughs> like I'm not that big compared to everybody, and but. My parents are starting to do a little bit better. My mom, she's she's doing she's doing you know what she does as a teacher, balling out of control, you know. And then my dad, he was a steel worker in New Orleans, but then when he came out here, he wound up having to like clean floors at a hospital. But what's funny is he was making more money cleaning the floors at the hospital than he was as a steel worker in wow. New Orleans. Jeez. Yes. So, when when you have that, and he was he's also a musician, so he was making that side money too. So, um, when you have that uh, put together, like my family, my mom was like, you know, we're gonna stay here. You know, it was official. She was like, we're just gonna stay in Texas. It's safer. That was another major player. Was the we don't have to worry about the gunshots. You know, the bullets. You know, flying in the window. Yeah. Late at night, like you just there's a lot that you don't have to worry about staying in Texas. Yeah, up here you typically you hear the gunshots. It's early morning after Labor Day. And it's, yeah, it's, it's shotguns yeah. for duck hunting. Yeah, you know it's yeah. not anybody getting shot at. Yeah, until today, <laughs> and, and, until our current times. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. You right. know, whereas right. as I was saying to you before we started recording, was that it breaks my heart that today. Whereas five years ago, you and I could have gone out in public and I would have and still would be very happy to have you by my side even today. Mm -hmm. But the roles have flipped Mm -hmm. in that five years ago, you would have protected me. Mm -hmm. Now I feel as if I would have to protect Mm -hmm. you. Absolutely. I, I carry a firearm now. Don't blame me. <laughs> you know, like, don't blame me. Like, y'all knew me. Y'all knew me, like, two, three years ago. I wasn't carrying like that. Mm-mm. Now I carry yeah. virtually everywhere I go mm-hmm. because I just don't know when. Well, that's, yeah. that's the scary thing is, is again, like, like we said, um, out, outside of this, is that, that that's what I think Trump's done. Mm-hmm. He's made a lot of dangerous mm-hmm. people feel like it's okay now to... Mm-hmm fully express however they mm-hmm. see 
how racist they are and mm-hmm. say what they want and do what they want. Mm-hmm. And, and I think he's made them feel like they'll get away with it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a lot of have, unfortunately, mm-hmm. a lot have. And instead of giving them the squeegee ball to mm-hmm. work out their frustrations, they they're now toting around their AK-47. <laughs> yeah. And that's how they're yeah. taking out their pent-up aggressions. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just to fact check, it, it's actually AR-15. Oh, AR-15. Sorry. Uh, before somebody, guess... before somebody listens and comes on and goes, that ain't right. Yeah. We don't have AK-47s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, so yeah. So uh, back back to you. Back to yeah, you. Yeah. Um, so you know, you're in your your more formidable years. Yeah. You're growing up. You know, you're getting through junior high. Your parents are doing well. They're mm. they're. I'm sure progressing at, at providing some sense of normalcy to you guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but now let, let, let's get into high school now. Okay. Because, <laughs> you know, yeah. Kay and I, we know your high school. We, we, yeah. We've seen you through high school because yeah. of our son. And we, yeah. we saw, we knew of a lot going on in the background. And it wasn't until. You know, we, we got to see you for a couple years of high school. Mm-hmm. We didn't see your earlier years in high mm-hmm. school just because we didn't know you. But from where we saw you at, and even and go ahead and talk mm-hmm. from before this, what was your, your experience of dealing now that kids are older, smarter, mm-hmm. uh, more, more prone to really voice out, whether it be by immaturity or because they truly believe it, you know their racist mm-hmm. tendencies and thoughts. Yeah. Um, at a point now where I'm sure you you had friends, you weren't mm-hmm. alone anymore. Well, let me give a little more backup um, background to that. In that now we've gone from six black kids in elementary school mm-hmm. to uh, let's say fifty mm-hmm. maybe yeah. in middle school, mm-hmm. and then we go to one of the finest in the district that is the most diverse in the district Mm -hmm. high school Mm -hmm. to where you literally like the middle class really did not exist Mm -hmm. in that high school (laughs) you literally had the absolute have nots Mm -hmm. and then those that had it all Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so now we've gone a, a whole nother full circle mm-hmm. of holy crap. Now I'm in with all of this, mm-hmm. you know, with so much um, diversity mm-hmm. with the student population. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Yeah. So my my later years of high school were way different than my beginning, like my freshman and sophomore year because I still had the reputation that I had from junior. Like I was that, the short little kind of chunky, um, I talk trash, would hit you. Like, cause at this point now, I don't, I've lost all sense of, I've lost all sense of care to um, um, respecting people's feelings when people would say things to me. I just didn't care anymore. I was a loose cannon at this point. So freshman, freshman year of high school, um, that's when I got zoned to the rich school, like the well, the like you said the 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 school I stayed at the whole time, but it was the haves and the have nots, where it was, it was a bipolar. Yeah, school, yeah. About. I mean, just from our experience, you literally had kids living in multi-million dollar Mid- homes, oh. and <laughs> with with a mix of kids literally living in the only trailer yeah. park in town. Yeah. Garages. Yeah, garages. Yeah. Garages. Homeless. Home homeless. homeless. Like, yes. Yeah. People people really people really don't know the disparity no. of wealth at that school. Like nope. like junior year, senior year, I'm pulling up to school in the Izuzu Trooper, nineteen ninety nine, you know, old school um, and then the person next to me got the brand new Cadillac, brand new Maserati, yep. Yep. driving the Chrysler 300 when it yep. first came out, got the Mustang, like, mm-hmm. like money, it was, it was, it was different. Cause yep. 
the 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 money that rappers had, like they put it in your face. Like that's what I saw. I saw rapper money. I saw Absolutely. I saw football money mm-hmm. and everything like that. But now I'm looking at I'm looking at wealth. I'm looking at I ain't looking at rich. I'm looking at wealth. I'm yeah. looking at I'm looking at like people got their kids living like they living, mm-hmm. you know, and a kids is living adult lives, and here I am. Still rocking my my busty <laughs> dusty Nikes. I got my gym shorts. You know, I'm not in a donation bin no more. But we not we not shopping at the polo outlet. Yeah, we ain't going to the outlet. We ain't going to the mall to get my clothes. Right. You know, we going to the up the street to donate the donate not the donation room, but they got a they got a store next to the donation room where you can buy the clothes right. mm-hmm. that they get donated. You yep. know, the nice ones. So that's kind of how I was living. My freshman and sophomore year, and once again, if you don't have money, you know, and and you're not you're not you're not known in the public with sports, ain't nobody gonna talk to you. Nope. Nobody wants to be your friend. So I didn't have friends. I had the one friend that I had from fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, and we had started separating at this point because that's just what happens when you get to high school. You know, you go your separate ways. So. Uh, football is kind of where that's where I just started laying everything in like I got like there's the one like you can legally put your hands on somebody <laughs> well yeah and, it's a legal outlet yeah that you can take all this internalization of rage and hate and racism and bullying mm-hmm. and, and it's an outlet and mm-hmm. it's an outlet that it's okay to be that way yeah matter of fact we want you to be that yeah, way yeah we yeah they 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 ask you to to, to, to Leave try it and go on the out field. There. They want you to, to split somebody in half. And so you telling me I get to go out there and I get to hit somebody who's been calling me a nigga all day? Yeah. I get to go hit somebody who's been calling me boy all day? Somebody who's been stunting their money in my face all day? I'm going to do that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's Finally the, that's, the right yeah, squeegee that's, ball. That's what we, that's what we going to do. So they done took the squeegee ball out of my hand and they didn't put a football <laughs> up in there. Yeah. You know, I wasn't the kid who ever wanted to carry the ball or catch the ball. I wanted to knock the ball out your face. Like I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to split you in half, you know? And so I was the quiet kid all the way up until I got on the football field. That's where I got loud. You know, because now I'm trying I like I get to go and tell somebody, you know, I'm about to murder you for talking to me crazy in school. Like you get to talk to somebody like that, and it's okay. Yeah. So yeah. that's where they won't, up, they won't try and kick you out. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. So like, so like, freshman year, sophomore year, I'm learning how to play the game. I'm getting better at it, um, and my body starts to develop. Yep, you grew a little and bit. And then <laughs> uh, from sophomore year, I think I was mm, two ten. Junior year, I showed up two sixty. Okay. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I I do remember the change. Yeah, <laughs> it was like. Yeah. Is that is that, is that that kid still? Is that, is yeah. that really wow? Like, yeah, man. Yeah. So, and I'm not a. It wasn't a chunky two sixty. Like I was, I was a pretty fit two sixty. So, um, now it's like no people. I wouldn't say people wasn't calling me a nigga. Or like people weren't calling me boy. Or like people wasn't talking to me crazy because they was, but they they wouldn't do it like in my face, mm-hmm. no more because now it's like. Well, no, it's different. You can do something about it. Yeah. You, you can do something directly. To yeah. You. Yeah. Like, yeah, I have a fear. I have that fearful presence to me now. But that came at a cost because I had no friends. Right. And I, the only people I was ever around was my teammates. And all they saw was that aggressive side of me. And so I never, like... Like, it's just, you don't really want to be friends with the dude who's trying to rip people apart in practice all the time. Like, that's kind of scary a little bit, you know? (laughs) And then, like... Is he going to do that to me off the field? Yeah, Yeah, you know? And and, and I had my issues, like, uh, the coaching. I had my issues, major, major, major issues with the coaching. Um, That goes without saying. uh, They, so, being out here, you have to be uniform. And you have to be one. You have to be the same. Well, I'm not like anybody from out here. So I can't be one uniform and the same. You know, I have I have these issues that we're not talking about. Nobody's asking, you know, what's wrong with me, you know. And so by the time I got to high school, I've had these four years of Texas um, 
culturalization, and so they they I'm I'm not as I'm not as what someone would seem pure New Orleans. Like I don't have my hard accent anymore. Um, so a lot of the coaches didn't see me as a thug. They just saw me as someone who was poor. You know, so I was never viewed as and like like when you a thug. You know what I'm saying? When they when you viewed as a thug, and I'm not saying that just as like a black like white people Hispanics. Uh, everyone can be a thug. You know what I'm saying? You have that. People get scared of you. You know what I'm saying? They they think you out here toting and all that other stuff. I didn't have that. They weren't afraid of me like that. They were afraid of some players like that, but I wasn't one. I was just that that loud mouth. But I wasn't that loud mouth. I was something was wrong, and nobody wanted to talk. You know, your coaches are supposed to be the ones who 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 help you through life. You know, but that wasn't it. And then uh, it, it was more of, you know, I was just a, you know, we was going to go try and win a game with you. And, and, and at the time in high school, I, I was I was pretty good. But they You know, I played, but they would threaten time. They were okay with threatening to play the best players. Like, I, we had a kid who was a thousand times better than me my sophomore year. Um, started, he sagged his pants, kicked him off the team. Wow. He was sagging his pants in the indoor. They kicked him off the team. This dude had, he was being looked at by almost every school you could imagine. It was one of the first times my high school had got put on the map for recruits was because of this kid. Um, the reason why I got a lot of my offers was because the schools was looking at him first. Um, he was a year above me. He got kicked off, off the team, completely lost a year to play. And then they begged for him to come back his senior year. And that was the first time that the school had gone to the playoffs. Like, it was just like a big, it was a big deal. And he was all because of that. But no one wants to talk about what that kid had to go through mm -hmm. beforehand. And so. And how he, he was used. And how he was used. Like, they asked for him to come back solely so we could go to the playoffs and, and, and perform. You know, like, it's just, it's, it's we, and, and nobody, we, we didn't know because we was young and naive. We ain't know what was really going on. Well, and I think that that's. That that's the detriment of it is, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you know, in your case, you've been this black kid, mm -hmm. you've been the sole black kid. Now you're not necessarily the sole black kid, but you you still feel pretty alone. Mm -hmm. And then now all of a sudden you're thrust in. Oh, we love you. Mm -hmm. Oh, look, all these people around me. Mm -hmm. Look what you're doing for you know mm -hmm. for the football team, and, mm -hmm. and you're making this look good. So mm -hmm. everybody now is they may mm -hmm. not necessarily be your friend, but they're rooting you on now. Mm -hmm. You know, you have this mm -hmm. some semblance of, of a, a social system around you, mm -hmm. but you're being used mm -hmm. and you don't realize it because it's it's different from everything you've experienced before. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily know. And maybe you did. Maybe in mm -hmm. the back of your mind, you knew somewhere it wasn't mm -hmm. genuine, mm -hmm. but it's not where you were before. You weren't necessarily completely alone. You yeah. had you had something very positive going for you that felt good I'm sure mm -hmm. in some form or fashion so mm -hmm. you have that that juxtaposition to mm -hmm. where I know what's being done mm -hmm. but I'm still kind of yeah. enjoying the process yeah even though I know it's wrong yeah so uh, you're you're absolutely hit the nail on the head like absolutely correct we as I my junior year hit I hit that I got huge I'm I'm playing out of control uh, I'm wrestling I'm doing that just really just performing at a high level at everything that I was doing. And, and I'm not going to lie, I wasn't really trying that hard. And I knew I wasn't, and, but it felt good. And, and people did start to attract around me, start to start to kind of attract around me, Junior, but I didn't have the money still. Right. And the money plays a factor with the 1%. It don't matter how good you are. If you don't have the money, if you don't have the look, you ain't got it. And so I didn't have the, I just never had the look. So senior year happened and I went from 260 to 310 and still was just like, it was like, you. it was not like I gained fat. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I just no, got you, big. No. You were certainly a yeah, beast. Yeah, I just got no big, doubt about you that. know, it was just big. And so at this point I'm walking around, I'm 6'2", 310, people, grown adults don't talk to me crazy you know, really in public. Um, teachers, I never really got respect from teachers just because I, I'm not going to lie. Like, 
when you go to the school I go through, uh, I went to, with all that money and kids is just you are outcast because you don't have the money. You don't care about school. Well, you weren't lavishing the teachers yeah. with the expensive gifts. Yeah, like I just, you I know? didn't. You know, absolutely, I didn't have any. We didn't donate to PTA. We didn't have that money to to go to no. be a. We weren't even part of the football booster club. Like we just, we didn't have it like that to to give. Like mm-hmm. we still struggling. My mom got five kids. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. So, um. And, and this, the thing about Frisco is it seems as though, like, people are like, oh, well, if you have a job out here, you got money. That is not the case. Mm-hmm. It's expensive. No. Everything is expensive. Yes. Yeah. So we just, I just never had that look. And so senior year, I'm, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing everything. I'm being recruited. Uh, everyone is around, like, people are really trying to be around me. And that's it was hard. That was hard for me. That that kind of messed me up a little bit too, because no one wanted to talk to me. No one wanted to. Want, nobody wanted to be my friend before. Up, up yeah. Before, yeah. But then now, now I'm making these plays. You know, I'm Dallas Morning News Player of the Week. Like now we want to. Now you want these schools coming in. Now you want to talk to me. Now you want to be my friend. It's called the bandwagon. Yeah, you know, like yeah. like it was just it was weird, like how I had that happen to me, and and nobody apologized. The same people who was talking trash to me apologized. I remember this. We went. I won. I made. I I, I won this big. I don't know if I'm supposed. I can't. I can't say what it was. So, but I, I did this thing huge, big, big thing, big deal. Um, and people from the school came with us to celebrate this ordeal. And a lot of the people that was at this ordeal celebrating with us, um, we were giving them free stuff. Like, we were getting food, and we were giving them the food, like, being nice to them. And, like, they were having all fun with us and celebrating with us. But a lot of these people were, like, the same people who were bullying me, mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. trash about my money the year before when mm-hmm. I was a junior. You know what I'm saying? Like, now they want to be my friend because I did this, I did this big thing, and, like, I had to be cool. I had to be okay with it because if I'm being standoffish, I'm the standoffish kid now. You know, now I'm f- people are finally being nice to me. Well, they put it back on you. They're like, oh, yeah. oh yeah. now all of a sudden, oh, you're standoffish. What, you're mm-hmm. not grateful for what we've allowed you yeah. to do? What, like, it becomes that thing of that entitlement mm-hmm. of, yep. you know, that schools and coaches get into of, you know, this is what I've mm-hmm. done for you. I don't care that you're the star mm-hmm. player. You're this big part of this mm-hmm. team that made this happen. It, you forget about that if you take the wrong stance. Yep. And I think that does go a lot, one, to race. Mm-hmm. That, oh, oh now yep. you're this ungrateful yep. black kid. After everything we've done for you, mm-hmm. forget what I've said and done in the past, mm-hmm. but everything that we've done for you, now all of a sudden you're not grateful, you don't mm-hmm. appreciate this. And, and yeah, that's got to put you into a, a horrendous position of, you know, fuck you. Yeah, fuck I you. did this. Yep. You... you you may have been employed here, and yeah. I would have been here whether you were or not, and I would have done this whether you were coaching or assistant mm-hmm. or teacher or not. Mm-hmm. And so I completely get, you know, can understand that 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 feeling that you had of, oh, shit, do I behave or, you know, do I give them the middle finger yeah. because they didn't do this. I yeah. did this. Yep. And, 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 and that's... It's, it's true because on my on my signing day, I had one coach there. On my signing day, there was one coach at my signing party. There was one coach uh, from the entire football staff, and that's what I. Mm. It's just. It's just. Mm. It just goes to show, you know, I wasn't. I I've never been captain of a team, ever, but I've always been at least top three, mm. and we had five. Five captains with the football team, wrestling team. We had two. We could have had three. I, I always felt some type of way about the wrestling stuff, but you know, it is what it is with that. With that football, it was um, that was it was. I didn't have that look and that that coaching. I was one. I was the only kid who would who would tell the coaches like you know. I wouldn't say f you, but I would just be like, you know, like if you tell me something wild, I'm I'm not okay with it. Like I'm just not in in. It was just oh football was, football was it was I had a resentment for it, but I loved the fact that I could still go out there and and, and pop you like mm-hmm. I needed to yeah. 
And so that was why I was doing it. Now, when, when you were playing football and, and as you got to this, you know, I'll call it high school stardom mm-hmm. or, or notoriety just because you were such a good player, um, did you experience less racism? Maybe not necessarily overall, mm-hmm. but at least, you know, from your own team, from the own comments. I know you said mm-hmm. earlier that they weren't in your face as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but what kind of experiences were you still having during that time? Uh, I was allowed to go to people's houses. Like I started being able to go to people's houses, <laughs> which was pretty cool because everybody had the the nice you know, the mansions, you know, multi million dollar homes. Like you said, you heard about it, but you hadn't seen it, so you finally got to do that. But like you always felt that they was watching you. You know, mm-hmm. every time you go in, somebody oh we got cameras, just letting you know. Because they thought you was going to steal something, you know, so like you they have... They would seriously say that to yeah, you. Yeah, you have comments passed to you like that. Like, yeah, I got cameras just like, you know, like that's how it would be when you walked in. Wow. Just well, I guess like we that. should tell you that we'll be having cameras installed on our house, so we'll be watching you too, but it's not because... Yeah, of like it's just like... I yeah. mean, what an absurd thing to right, tell like somebody. Like it's just, it's just little comments like that, and you don't, you don't really trip on it at the time because you're like, oh, okay, I get it, I understand, but then like looking back on it, are they tell they not are they telling that to everybody else? You exactly. Know, like like yeah. is everybody else hearing that? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I really I uh I'm still I still distanced myself to a certain extent, but I got to go to other places. Um there were times, you know, they had parties that I wasn't able to go to. But what was crazy was um the racism didn't just affect the white people, it affected black people too, because a lot, of, a lot of the African Americans who lived there, or who had, who were displaced, the kids had conformed to mm-hmm. that society. Yeah. And when you conform to that society, you tend to grow a hatred for the impoverished and those that look like you. You tend to lack that understanding for people who have gone through the same thing. So I. Katrina displacees treating me like trash. Wow. Because they just had to be accepted in that group. So I it the racism affected blacks so bad it made blacks who were young, young African Americans. Um well <clears throat> it Poison minds, you know, yeah. it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a virus, it's, it's leech like out here, you know, and it's, it's, it's sad. It's, it is sad. It's sad, you know, um, I, I, did you feel it, it quelled down as, as you went a little bit through later through high school or was it? other areas like I, I know for instance that you've told me that you know the cops in the area oh would target you yeah we uh so I'm a big black guy in a white area uh there was a time I was uh cutting from uh I had to cut for a, a, a wrestling match and so I was leaving this uh sauna and as I was leaving the sauna uh, I didn't have my lights on because when you leave a sauna, you kind of like, kind of like discombobulated a little bit. You know, you done cut some weight. You know, you ain't eating like how you need to be eating. Oh, I know. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, like you kind of, you kind of like out of the loop just a little yeah. bit. And I was three ten going to two eighty five at the time. So like that's a that's a nasty cut. That, that's nasty. That yeah, that cut. that cut hurts. So um, I was making that cut and I was going home starving, just oh famished. I got pulled over. Whoop, whoop. They pulled me over. And uh, it's a little while. You know, you can tell when a cop a rookie. You know you can tell when a cop a rookie. <laughs> he he walked up to my car and he was like, oh, license and registration. Like, you, you know, he, just, he, I was in my mom's car and her window is a tennis, so you can't really see who's in there. So when he, like, when I like, rode on the window and he saw what I was, you know, what I, what I looked like, he <laughs> whoa, you know. And so then he, I gave it to him and then seven squad cars showed up. Like, he went back to his car and his seven squat car showed up. Like, what? Like, I'm 
I'm 17. I'm not, yeah. I'm, I'm sad by the story, but I'm not surprised. No. You know, I'm 17. Yeah. Like, what I'm... Yeah. Bro, I'm sweating. I'm in this car sweating. You can see in my face, I'm pale. I'm black <laughs> and I'm pale. I'm black and I'm pale. <laughs> like, like, I'm obviously not in the right mind state. Like, he ain't asked me if I was on drugs or nothing. Like, he could have questioned me. He could have asked me a few questions. You know, he could have been a, a cool individual. Ask me if I'm okay. He ain't <laughs> right, even asked yeah, me that, yeah. you know? Instead, he's like, no, I need backup. This is a big black guy. Yeah, so. And he's sweating. Yeah, so the whole time. I'm Guilty. On, yeah. Yeah, the whole time I'm on FaceTime with my mom because as soon as he pulled me over, I called my mom because, mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I, yeah, I'm not, I don't, I don't, whenever the police pull me over, I, I I always call my mom. Got her on FaceTime. I want her to see the reaction because I'm real respectful with police. I, you have to be because if you're We black, all should be. Yeah, you know, like, 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 I, I, res- I respect the police. I understand what they do. They got a they got a tough little gig, you know what I'm saying? But, but there's certain ways to act and not act, and who needs to be allowed to have the job and what they should be allowed to do and what they should be allowed to carry. Period. That's just at the end of the day, there need if we're gonna have them, we need to have a major talk about what they can and can't do. Right. And so, with that being said, you know, and. Call my mom, talking to her, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, the cops just start pulling up. You start seeing them. Just like two, three, four, all with their lights on. And then when the, the 7 1 pull up, I'm just like, hey, like, it's a bunch of cars out here. She's like, where you at? Where you at? And I'm around the corner from my house. She's like, where you at? I'm like, just don't even worry about it. Because I know that if they come and a scene get made, they could get picked up. And I'm just, you know, I ain't trying to deal with that. They, they targeted my dad. My dad stayed with tickets and. Just being pulled over. There's a few times, you know, my dad, like, they still won't tell me if he, you know, he, he got locked up. You know what I'm saying? And my mom had to go bail him out because there's nights he didn't come home, you know. And he was supposed to be home and, like, my mom was freaking out type stuff, you know. And so then she would disappear and come up. They would come back hours early. Later. Yeah, hours yeah. later together, you know. Like, and then they would have to go pick up my dad's car. Like, we don't, we, you know, I don't know what was going on, but I know it happened too much. You know, so um, I, it, I, it, my police situations, I, I try to stay away from them so much, and I try and do the right thing to where I don't, I don't give cause. I don't give cause. Right. You know, um, you know, I, I've been, I go to the mall. They follow me around. <laughs> Typical stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like this. No, but that's not. Yeah. No, it's not. I mean, that, it's, that, yeah. that's part of the problem. Is and, and that's part of the problem uh, from your side as well. Like, I mean, in my other podcast, I'm white. I have mm-hmm. no idea mm-hmm. what it's like to walk in your shoes. I mm-hmm. cannot empathize. I can only sympathize. Mm-hmm. But that's not right. I think that's part of the problem. Like, you just a- adapted to where that's the norm, and yeah. it for you, it's whatever. And, and I think to a certain extent, that's good. You're not mm-hmm. letting it affect you like they want it to affect mm-hmm. you. But at the same time, I think there's also a sense of complacency where you, you should have a problem with it. Yeah. You should vocally and, you know, absolutely yeah. have a problem with not to the detriment of your life. Yeah. Because the last thing I want you to do is go up to some mm-hmm. cop at the mall and say, why are you following me? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Nah. Instigate something. Yeah, but, power trip. <laughs> but I, yeah. I think there, there, there can be a time or place for you to go, this has to stop. This is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I I am not doing anything wrong. There's no reason for you to be even watching me. Yeah. You know, I'm like the hundred other people around here. Maybe not this time, but prior to COVID, something like that. Um, now I want to get back to so what happened with the the seven cop cars? What? How did that? Oh, um, so he walks up. He walks up to me, and I uh, and I guess he wanted to see if like I was wanted or something like that you know he wanted to run me and when he walked up I'm like yeah I, like, I initiated I'm not gonna lie cause I was pissed I was livid like you know it's, it's seven it's seven I'm sure cars scared yeah I'm like right. I'm, I'm scared I'm like yo is this necessary I asked him he's like what do you mean I'm like bro you got seven squad cars out here I'm 17 like, yeah, what am I gonna be doing? What you, did you ask him why he pulled you over? yeah that's and that's what was that was that was the, I was just like like what, what what's what's up? And so he goes, 
well, your lights weren't on. And so I looked and my lights weren't on. And I, I just, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I got, got out the sauna. Like, I'm trying to get home, trying to get some, just a little water, shower, and go to bed because I'm hungry. You know, but I can't eat. So, um, it was, it was, you know, it was, it, he, he was like, you know, uh, your lights weren't on, but, uh, you know, I'm going to let you go with a warning. You know, and the reason why I got a warning was because, you see, I'm terrified. <laughs> you, you didn't pull seven squad cars up here and it messed me up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't deserve that. You know, I'm not out here. You don't know who, what I'm doing. You know, like there's, there's, and I'm in little, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in a smaller, I'm in a smaller city. Like, ain't nobody out there, ain't nobody out there needs seven squad cars pulled up on them. Period. No. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody need no seven squad cars. Not at all. Not at all. And this was when you were a junior or senior? Senior. Senior. So, yeah, I'm still a child. You know, I'm still a child. So, um, it, it, and I, I, I've, like I said, I've always done my, my, my job trying to just stay away from them because, hey, well, you've always been like, as long as I've known, you've Mm -hmm. always been very respectful Mm -hmm. to authority figures, adults Mm -hmm. around you. Um, even though you are an adult now as Mm -hmm. well, but you've always maintained that respect. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, unless you were shown otherwise, which I'm a firm f- believer, if you don't show me respect, there's no reason yeah. that I have to. I may, but I don't have to. Yeah. And, and you've always kind of been on that mindset of, you know, if you're shown respect, you will absolutely give it. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. yeah I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that all kind of, it all kind of goes into college. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, I love that kid. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's so great. It, you know, after hearing this, and, and a lot of this I think we, we knew most of, um, there, there were a few little things that we were unaware of, of, you know, his years and junior high and in, in elementary school and then getting into high school none of it really surprising just because we're very familiar with the area we know how a lot of people are um, it's 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 so difficult to see what such a good man he's become and, and you know I say I love this kid and he's he's a grown man he is but he's still <laughs> he's a great big old teddy bear yes and and to see what he went through is it's heartbreaking, but I'm glad he, you know, triumphed, so to speak. You know, he's he, persevering. Yeah, he, he has powered through so much animosity and hypocrisy for being good at something. I mm-hmm. mean, literally, you know, his grades were always good. He's a smart kid. He never struggled with, with anything there. It, it was... You know, and I hate to, to dwell on, on sports because sports now as adults are, are very, very trivial unless you're a professional player. And it, it was difficult to listen that, you know, that was his avenue and that, that was how he got out. And that's what kind of gave him the social structure that he needed of not quite being alone and having some people that he could turn to. Although it wasn't many, as, as we we heard, you know, there's a lot of hypocrisy that he had to deal with, a lot of right. a lot of politics that really a kid that age shouldn't have to deal with. Right. So you know, highlighting this, I think, is something good for people to hear that when you see a superstar high school player in any sport, you know, remember there's a story behind that. There it typically may, is, and it may not be all fun and games, and and you know what we see in TV shows and movies and the star players, the, you know, rock star of the school, you know, he had a lot of demons he was, he was battling with. And a lot of that was due to the fact that he was this, this black kid, you know, yeah. in a white area. Yeah. Well, you know, it was difficult for me to listen to him speak about um, when he came to Texas when he came to Frisco, because as I said in the um, conversation with Robert, 
um, that was when I was really active because of my children with the PTA and I distinctly remember doing um, donation drives at the elementary level of getting all of the things, all the clothes, the food, the gift cards and stuff um, to help with those that were displaced. Right. And, you know, listening to him talk about knowing that the schools that he was going to and the, the clothes that he was wearing he had four or five outfits of that. Yep. And and he literally was because I know where he was <laughs> I was there. I experienced with him and I can only imagine what that felt like for him knowing that when he was going to school and it's like I said, you know, these are Louis Vuitton slinging yes. Starbucks toting juicy sporting individuals. Um and Although the majority of us, when we when we went through those actions, it was with good intent. But a lot of times, you know, it was it was kind of like there were those individuals, and it was like a, a pat on the back, you know, like look what I did for them. Yeah. And and I would hear that. I yeah. experienced that, and those, so those people that give to charity to be able to say they gave to charity. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and I, d- I don't want, like, I don't want our listeners thinking that, you know, my opinion or our opinion of, like, Frisco in this area is that it, it's completely racist. It, it, it is. There it's is, changing. It's changing, and there, there is racism, as is everywhere else in the country in right. some form or fashion. And that's kind of one of the points I'm trying to make is uh, we're not trying to say that this area is racist, but... I feel that's important to get it out there that there is racism. It is in every part of America in some form or fashion. Yes, it's a great area to grow up in. You know, it's a pretty area. There's lots to do. There's beautiful homes. But the point of having this discussion, and it just so happened it was in this area, is not to point out or, I guess, you know, slam Frisco as being racist because I think in large part there's a lot of good people. It's not absolutely it's not a racist town, but you will experience you racism. You will experience it. Or you will see the disparity of wealth within the town, especially when you get into some of the schools, there is a disparity of wealth. There is the ultra rich and there is the very, very, very poor. And and that's kind of why we're we're putting this out there about Robert and his experiences is so that people can recognize that, hey, this may look all pretty and nice and neat on the outside, but there's issues there that need to be addressed. And And these are the issues that need to be addressed so that at some level we can start making a change. Absolutely. Yes. And that that is, that's the whole point of this. And that's the point of it. That is the point of these conversations and you bringing to light what it is in like an everyday neighborhood yes yeah absolutely you know um it it is a beautiful place texas is a beautiful place it's a little redder than i would like for it to be but it's changing it is changing you know and it's changing for the better i think in some areas there's there's always those those devout people that are not going to change whether they be young or old and that's how they're raised and that's what they're going to do but at least we're seeing a lot more people open Right. You know, that that I think is the biggest thing is we're seeing a lot more people that are open to other ideas. They're not so staunch in their beliefs that, like we said in, in the previous podcast, it's either right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we are seeing a, a movement towards getting away from that depiction of just being either right or wrong in how you live and what you do and what you choose to being open to hearing. You know, the, the biggest... The biggest cliche nowadays is, and you've seen it with friends on Facebook, and you get into political discussions, and it's you, you just have to agree to disagree. It, it, it's a shitty cop out. Well, it, it's a shitty cop out, though. I mean, it, it really is. It's like, yeah, we, we may agree to disagree because we want to stay friends, but at the same time, you have to make a point where you make a stand on, on an issue that is 
moral and right, and, and there is no opposite to it. Right. I, you and I can agree to disagree that the best pizza is Canadian bacon with pineapple. Right. That, that, I can agree to disagree on that. Yes, absolutely. But when it comes down to someone's livelihood, no. Well, and not no. even livelihood, but somebody just living and, and existing in an area and not being, you know, berated for the color of their skin. Exactly. That, I think there is no agreement to disagree on no. that. That there can't no. be. And that, that's where we have to move to is, is people getting out of that mindset. Exactly. So that was, that was part two. Now, a little preview into part three is definitely a little bit more interesting. We get into Robert and his college years. And, <laughs> oh, man, that, that's going to be a conversation. Uh, we, we were able to keep in contact with him sporadically throughout his college career. Um, and I do say career because he, he did play football in college. And we got some very interesting insights into, you know, college football, college sports in general, and, and the things that come with that and being an athlete and in college. So we'll, we'll keep this short. And I want to thank everybody again for listening. Um, please, if you have any comments or feedback, please, you can leave it on uh, in the Apple podcast store. You can rate my podcast and leave reviews. You can email me at breakingknowledge2020 at gmail.com and follow me on Twitter. My handle is at breaking, K-N-W-L-D-G-E. And again, just remember we're all one.